This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. One of the rather bold statements that President Donald Trump made during the campaign and continues during his short time in office is that he would be able to find ways to cut regulation. In fact, he said that he was looking to cut 75% maybe even more. And while that sounds like an enticing number for many in the business sector, it may not always be the case. Just cutting regulations to cut them can backfire at times and have a reverse effect. And it is even possible, is it even possible, to cut that much regulation and still have a positive impact? Joining us here in studio to discuss this, Kerry Colonese, who is professor of law and professor of political science here at the University of Pennsylvania. He joins us in studio, as does Eric Ortz, professor of legal studies and business ethics here at the Wharton School, also faculty director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership. Great to see you both. Good Thank to you. be here, Dan. Thank you. Yeah. The number 75%, Kerry, when you hear, hear that, I mean, look, on paper, it's it's a massive number. Could it even possibly happen? Well, first of all, I don't know what that number means, okay? okay? Yeah. 75% of what? 75% of all words in the Code of Federal Regulations, 75% of all the rules that have ever been published in the Federal Register. Uh, that's uh, preposterous. Uh, 75% of the cost. Now we're getting at something that might be meaningful to the business community, right? but that is also uh, a remarkable number. And keep in mind, if you get rid of 75% of the cost of regulation, you're going to be getting rid of probably more than 75% of the benefits as well. I think what's most realistic is that there will be a dramatic decrease in enforcement of regulations rather than the pulling back of rules off the books. There will be some rules that do get uh, repealed. There's no question about that, but not 75 uh, percent by any means. And it, it's it's listen, it's a number that uh, the president can put out there. He gets a lot of credit for it. It sounds good and sounds bold. And none of his friends are ever going to t- call him to task and say, oh, you never got 75 percent, whatever that means. Uh, and uh, those uh, who aren't his friends uh, aren't going to call him to task uh, either. They're going to be glad that he didn't roll back 75 percent. Eric? Yeah, well, I agree with Kerry uh, 100 percent on this, that the 75 percent claim is just bluster. Uh, but it's clearly a signal that we are going to have a deregulatory uh, administration, and there are other signals that we have about that. So the appointments to the cabinet-level uh, positions that are in charge of regulations from environment to labor, et cetera, are pretty much all, or, or, or I think probably all, deregulatory in their uh, intentions. So we are going to see a cutback, so you'll have less regulations probably being uh, proposed, although that get you know you wonder uh, sometimes some of the executive orders seem to be actually creating a lot of more work for if you think about for example an executive order that we are going to move forward with building a wall down in on the southern border then you're talking about regulatory kinds of uh, challenges of a different kind it looks like unless you're going to try he unless he wants to take that through Congress which I think it seems he will have to do. Uh, Anyway, so I think that there's clearly a deregulatory emphasis. One other uh, phenomenon, in addition to the cabinet-level appointments, including Scott Pruitt at the EPA, there have also been statements um, 
including by uh, Myron Ebel, Ebel of the, uh, who is uh, in charge of the transition, that they're going to cut or attempt to cut the staff's staff of EPA. Right. Uh, and again, I think it's a somewhat, this, the claim is we're going to cut by 5,000 people and it's going to be two-thirds. I think once you get to the reality that you still are under an obligation to enforce the basic laws of the, of, of the country, that to cut uh, EPA by that number is really going to put you in violation of, uh, it's going to open you up to lawsuits that you're not enforcing the law. And I think that's probably, you know, you may go down that road to some extent, but that's, uh, that's another, that's another check on this is that you're probably going to, if there is a decrease, as Carrie's indicating, there's going to be discretion not to enforce the law yeah. as much as you have. But uh, there are checks on that where uh, uh, nonprofit groups and others will come forward and say, wait, you have to be. You're not enforcing a law here, and they have an obligation to do so. Is is EPA at least right now one of the the areas that you both kind of look at and and have your kind of radar on because of, as Eric said, Gary, some of the things that have already been said and kind of insinuated about what's going to change with the Environmental Protection Agency going forward. Well, yes, I mean the EPA is and and has long been uh, a target really of criticism by. Uh, those on the right uh, in this past administration has taken a number of initiatives uh, to impose additional regulations uh, on under existing environmental statutes, some of them addressing problems like climate change, that these existing statutes were never really created with those problems in mind, but they yeah. were using them in a flexible manner, maybe, you know, by the most charitable sense, you know, a creative manner uh, to uh, address serious uh, public problems. Uh, those on the right uh, object uh, at, uh, to the costs imposed with those regulations. Uh, now, keep in mind that uh, the costs are, are always supposed to be justified by the benefits. And, right. and, and regulations do go through a rigorous benefit cost analysis review where those benefits are, uh, are, are supposed to, by executive order, uh, justify the costs. And, and by and large, the benefits associated with regulations, including environmental regulations, are, are often 10 times as much as the costs. Right. So yes, we can look at the costs, and, and people complain about the costs, but they're, they're there because of very well understood failures of the marketplace to internalize uh, what economists call externalities, uh, the spillover effects, and pollution is a principal one. So for that reason, the EPA is certainly front and center. You'll see uh, over the next uh, uh, week uh, some debate in Congress over an EPA rule protecting streams from pollution from coal operations. Uh, you'll also see some other agencies' rules that are that are in the uh, 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 line of, of fire by the uh, uh, by the Congress under something called the Congressional Review Act that allows Congress to go and 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 disapprove of rules that have been issued. Uh, recently, by uh, administrative agencies, this is a this is a process that you'll hear about uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, there's also a labor department disclosure rule, uh, a Department of Interior rule about methane emissions, oh. uh, an SEC uh, rule about disclosure that will also be targeted, I think, under the Congressional Review Act. Right, we're uh, here in studio with Eric Ortz uh, of the Wharton School, and uh, also Carrie Colonese, a 
of uh, the Penn, uh, University of Pennsylvania Law School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What's interesting is also, and we discussed this a little bit before we went on the air, is that uh, the the push to want to do a lot of these things also feels like it's losing support even within the the Republican Party right now. Uh, that uh, you know there's there tends to be a, a a cracking of the of the cement on that side of the aisle. Well, I think that yeah, we were talking a little bit about what reactions are f- over the weekend about the immigration order, and that seems to indicate, and, and this may change, and maybe it's a rookie mistake, uh, but it seems to indicate a tendency to shoot from the hip a little bit with executive orders. And yeah. in the case of the immigration order, it apparently wasn't vetted by almost anyone except yeah. someone, a few people in the uh, White House. Uh, doesn't seem to be. The Department of Homeland Security was talking about it, and then suddenly were interrupted. Uh, you know, the secretary was told it, uh, the presence on TV announcing this. So um, uh, the Secretary of Defense was not uh, consulted. So I think one shift is you you would hope that there would be a better vetting of the executive orders, which are which are. Uh, um, Needed, needed before you're, you're moving forward on some of these other areas. The other side would be more disturbing, and, and it's a little bit worrying to me, and that would be that you, were, you would see the president and a few of his closest advisors, including Steve Bannon and, and just a few others, uh, continuing to rule almost by executive order. Right. And, and then another disturbing thing that I think we saw over the weekend was the tradition. the traditional idea is that you – if a court comes in and says, "I'm sorry, but this right, you know, what you did with this re- executive order is not okay. You are ordered to do X," then usually you follow the court. The, the idea of rule of law is right. that you follow that. We had a couple of somewhat certain. Hopefully, this is anecdotal, but over the weekend, for example, we had a case where um, uh, I think this was in uh, yeah, this was in Dulles Airport, where a federal judge actually ordered uh, the. Um, officials of, uh, of the Customs and Border Group to give access to, uh, to a lawyer for people who were detained. Yeah. And the response to the lawyers was, that's not going to happen. Now, this was a case where you have a federal court order in your hand yeah. asking for basic uh, representation uh, that seems like a pretty clear-cut situation. And you, if you start to have... Uh, executive officials just saying, well, that's not going to happen. We're not going to follow court orders or we're not going to listen to Congress. Then you really are throwing yourself into a constitutional crisis where I think people are going to have to start to decide. Now, I don't think we're at that stage yet, but I just want to, we see a few danger signals of that kind that we could have uh, government by executive order rather than the the standard legal process, which uh, which uh, uh, Carrie is an expert in, and which I have some familiarity with as well, that that we assume a uh, an executive will follow. Well, that and that's kind of what I, I was kind of leading to with a, a lot of the potential changes that we may see on a variety of different elements with the EPA and and so many other organizations right now, is that we could get to a point where the changes that potentially are coming basically are coming down from. The White House, and they are not being taken through Congress to make the to make the the changes that he potentially is talking about. That ends up being a bigger problem. Well, certainly, if you want to get rid of existing regulations that are on the books, going back to his seventy five percent claim, uh, that will uh, require either 
Congress to actually pull back on legislation or uh, act under the Congressional Review Act. But the Congressional Review Act, it's going to be in the news, uh, but it's it's really only going to hit, I think, uh, maybe half a dozen or so rules. It's not, right. a, not a big part of the story. Obviously, if, if Congress, though, can uh, repeal major regulatory statutes, such as the Dodd-Frank Act or the Affordable Care Act, when yeah. those happen, that will that will also revoke regulations that have been implemented yeah. under those statutes. The second thing that, that can happen is that the heads of the agencies that Trump appoints uh, uh, can initiate action to rescind existing rules. However, uh, the only way uh, legally they can rescind a rule is to go back through the same formal process that was required to create those rules in the first place. And that requires uh, some public notice, an opportunity for the public to comment, uh, the development of analysis and supporting the decision so that the rule can withstand judicial review at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And there will be litigation, no doubt, if uh, agencies are pulling back and trying to rescind major regulations. Uh, So uh, that process will take some time. It will take some work. Uh, overall, to connect this with, with Eric's observation about what happened over the weekend, I think what we have here is uh, 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 both uh, a governing and a, 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 that's both a legal and a managerial challenge. Yeah. And uh, you can't expect that uh, the government runs just like a family-owned corporation runs, where the CEO doesn't have any even board of directors to report to. Uh, This is now the big league uh, where there are lots of vested interests, uh, both in the government, uh, other big players who uh, have interests that are not aligned with Donald Trump's. And in order for him to be successful in advancing his mission, he's going to have to moderate, uh, compromise, and uh, do a lot of groundwork before he goes forward and and sort of shoots off with an executive order. Well, thinking about this over the weekend, and one of the things that kind of came to my mind was, uh, you know, it, when he has been meeting with the CEOs, either at Trump Tower before the inauguration or uh, at the White House since, he, has t- he talked last week specifically about the fact about having new regulation, but having it just as effective as what we have had in the past. Sounds great, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. And and if you're taking down 75% or, you know, whatever it ends up being, how effective can it be? If if it's, you know, if if you've cut that all, you can't have the same types of protections. Yeah. Now, I mean, listen, these regulations have been put in place in the past through a process that has been designed to try to get to that optimal point where benefits are, 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 are exceeding the costs, where net benefits are maximized. Uh, it's difficult to do that. There are yeah. real trade-offs involved in regulating. Yeah. And for him to come along and say, you're going to get the same uh, environmental protection, but at lower cost, uh, well, uh, <laughs> ask yourself whether you'd buy a used car from him. Right. Yeah, I'd like to highlight that issue, uh, especially from a business point of view, the, the, the need to have a be- benefit cost analysis. And this is something I think that we've seen as a, you know, people object to it or on both sides of whether you want to have that or not. But I think it's become pretty much standard operating procedure and it's now in, 
in the law that you have to have that kind of analysis done. And so you can't just uh, decide that you want to repeal a lot of these laws. And in fact, um, there was a group of us uh, uh, business professors who are who teach environmental sustainability came together. We're in a group called the Alliance for uh, Research and Corporate Sustainability, and we all came together and we have an op-ed, which is in Huffington Post and on the Hill and some other places, uh, where uh, we basically urge the Trump administration to take this seriously, that a lot of the environmental regulations out there, yeah. for example, when we were focusing on environmental regulations, are proven by academic evidence and economic analysis to be better for everybody when they're in place. So the idea that you just uh, have, and I think this is a simplistic uh, campaign point that many people will feel and resonate with that regulation is always bad somehow yeah and it's always hitting you and I remember we were on the radio with you uh, at some point and we had a uh, we had a truck driver call in and yeah. say yeah you know this is really hitting me and that's what happens yeah. like the regulations really do hit yeah. real people and that's gonna that there's a question about that but then from the larger picture though when you are making regulation or taking them back you now have to do this broad scale um, economic analysis of them uh, to see whether the benefits uh, are, are, are more than the cost. Uh, one quick example, uh, there was uh, uh, several colleagues of ours at the uh, University of Chicago had an op-ed in the New York Times recently mm -hmm. that examined the what a cost-benefit analysis would look like for the proposed wall on the southern border with Mexico. Sure, yeah. And, and it, there's a lot of indication that that doesn't work, <laughs> right? That if you do a serious analysis of whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, just from a straight-up benefits of what you're trying to, to, to get, just for example, it seems that it's more likely that it will keep people it will keep alien, uh, immigrants and illegal immigrants in the country more yeah. than you would have them going the other direction so there's a lot uh, there's a lot of uh, environmental impacts etc but the um, that sort of uh, that sort of real life regulatory management problem is now I think maybe yeah you know, one one positive way to look at this is that there's a learning curve that's just going to have to occur right Trump is not a professional politician. His he uh, he's listening. It seems mainly to Steve Bannon, who's not either. Who's just a strategist. Who's who's basically trying to do stuff to appeal to the base. Yeah. But there, hopefully, is going to be a transition where they're going to learn that if you're going to be a grown up in this job, you have to get you have to play the game that is set for how you manage regulation. And it doesn't seem like they have quite made that transition. I wanted to throw a comment that I read actually over the weekend, and it was from Dow Chemicals CEO Andrew Laveris. And one of the things he said then, and I guess he was one of the people that was involved in the, the CEO meetings with President Trump, he said that, that they are going to be the ones bringing to the White House which regulations they would like to see cut. Uh, sorry, but I sit back and I hear that, and, and I'm thinking – now we're kind of letting the fox in the hen house, aren't we? I mean, it's. I think that's probably part of the reason why we saw the uh, the problems we saw in two thousand seven and two thousand eight with the financial crisis. Well, it could could well be. I will say it's not unprecedented. The uh, uh, Bush administration had an open call for anyone in the country to uh, write in and, and nominate regulations that should be looked at for repeal. Uh, also, just because a company comes in and they have a they have a right to petition sure. the government just Absolutely, like anybody yeah. else, just because yeah. they come in and complain about a regulation doesn't mean that 
it's instantly or automatically repealed, uh, at least if the legal process is followed. And I think uh, Eric's raised a larger concern about uh, the rule of law. And I think from the standpoint of businesses, we have to um, make sure that the government does follow the rule of law. Having that certainty in the legal process is very important. Uh, having uh, the emphasis on benefit cost analysis uh, is something that's been a, a standard part of the regulatory process. Uh, now, we do see some indications about uh, the president wanting to get involved in very individual business decisions about where plants will be located yeah. or whether steel for pipelines will be made in the U.S. or yeah. wherever ordinarily under the free market that uh, product would be would be sourced from. Uh, so we're going to see some, some tensions here, some questions I think that are emerging about the relationship between government and the private sector. And these don't always align with uh, traditional left-right uh, splits. In, right. in fact, there's some indications that there's uh, a, a possibility that this administration will depart from standard conservative uh, business-oriented principles with protection of the rule of law and, um, and indeed, uh, and, and government uh, staying out of, out of making business decisions. Eric? Yeah, I I agree with the general analysis. I mean, there, the, I should I, I I suppose in responding to uh, your anecdote that the um, that 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 Dow is uh, and we're very happy to have Dow as a as a supporter of IGEL over the years, the right. Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership. So having set, having 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 disclosed that potential conflict of interest, I think that um, I agree with Kerry that companies are perfectly. Um, have always it's perfectly legitimate for them to move forward and suggest regulations that should that would be beneficial to them. My my own personal view is that a company when it is lobbying or when it's trying to change law, you know, trying to influence law in that in that way, should take the public interest point of view, and so that your argument should be. And this is one of the virtues of a of a benefit cost analysis. If you have a truly objective argument that is supported that you're not just creating that for the purpose of legislating from your lawyer or, or a personal lobbyist, but right. you have objective evidence, then I think a company, uh, as well as a nonprofit organization, that's a good way to try to influence the uh, regulatory process to have that sort of debate. And that's why we have, for example, informal comment periods where uh, business interests, but also nonprofits and others have uh, the opportunity to make comments, and you are... Uh, we also have a check, and this has actually uh, uh, been increased, that there is a judicial check that if you have a regulation or a repeal of a regulation and it doesn't follow the right process, that a court can look at whether these uh, whether these facts are uh, correct. Looks like we just have well, uh, breaking I, news on this yeah, very topic. And, and actually uh, just saying that apparently he has signed an executive order uh, that for every new regulation that comes on the books – that two have to be revoked. Uh, so, uh, I mean, and obviously, I think a lot of that is going to be filled in. But that was something that, you know, if you remember back to the campaign, he brought that up. That he, that's one of the ways that he would like to kind of thin out the regulation uh, in in the United States right now. So, when you hear that news, Kerry, what do you, what do you think? Well, it's not surprising. He has said he would do this, uh, and in fact, it's not unprecedented. Uh, Canada has a similar. 
requirement. Uh, the UK has a similar requirement. Uh, the devil will be in the details. Uh, I haven't seen the executive order. It's just being announced that it's being signed at the moment. Uh, you know, it, 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 the uh, uh, the Canadians are looking for reducing two times the amount of administrative or paperwork costs uh, for every uh, additional increment of paperwork costs associated with new regulations. The UK has a broader definition of cost that's supposed to be the impact. Both uh, situations are, are ones where it's actually fairly hard to get good estimates on these things. The uh, uh, the UK government has claimed that they've really saved a lot of money, but there's also an inspector auditor uh, report on the uh, similar requirement in the UK that says, no, the, the, all the numbers are, are largely fudged and, and, and it's hard to really uh, get a good good handle on this. Part of this is because uh, costs um, right now are estimated uh, before a regulation gets put in place. Uh, afterwards, there's, uh, there's really no accounting that that's required, uh, no real right. look back that's Follow required. Up, yeah. Right. So yeah. we don't really know. And it's also the case that sometimes uh, the costs of regulation are a lot less than we expect. Why? Uh, the great innovation of American sure. business yeah. comes in and they find better, cheaper ways of complying. Uh, so the costs can sometimes be lower than expected. We'll have to see how this plays out. There's questions about uh, whether. Uh, if the EPA wants to go forward with the regulation, does the EPA have to get rid of two of its existing regulations or rules that are equivalent to two times the costs or impacts of yeah. that new regulation from its own stock? Can it trade off and say, well, we're going to eliminate a labor department rule and, and a transportation oh. department rule and use that as, as part of the balancing? So it will present some important managerial questions again right. uh, yeah. in addition to the legal ones that Eric? we're talking about. Yeah, the other thing, it goes back to the 75% claim. This sounds really great. Uh, if we're going to have a new regulation, you have to cut two. But if you start to look into the complexity of regulations, it's pretty easy to kind of fudge that in an accounting right. way, right? You can have one big regulation that you're going to pass for building a wall, say, right. and then you re re retract two little uh, regulations over here. So well, that's why it, yeah, it has really, to be a, in, a, in a cost unit. Yeah, there has to be. You have to have something. Like and, and I don't think that's. Yeah, that, that there has to be some metric that you're actually going to use on right. whether this is going to benefit businesses and, and really show that you have less regulation or more. And, so. I, and I think, I, can we all agree on the fact that there are probably regulations out there that probably could either be revamped or be pulled off the books. It's just you have to take the time and you have to look at it. You just can't do it willy-nilly. That's right. So yeah. this would uh, actually make it harder to come out, much harder to come out with a new regulation because you would have to repeal Think old regulations two, yeah. as well yep. and that yep. take to repeal a regulation you have to build an evidentiary case for doing that yep. now the obama administration has for the last uh, 5 6 years had a look back initiative where the administration has asked agencies to go and look at their stock of existing rules and try to identify ones that are no longer needed, right. helpful, whether they're counterproductive. And they claim that they've saved about $22 billion in regulatory and paperwork costs over the next five years. Right. Uh, so this effort that the Trump administration is engaged in is coming on the heels of an effort already to try to find those 
rules. So uh, it's not as if there are going to be this large swath of rules out there already that right. haven't been looked at and investigated to see if they are unnecessary. Great. Also, you, you might want to slow down on the executive orders a day yeah, right. if you're going to, because those yeah. require regulations at the yeah. end of the day. So, so, uh, so uh, maybe the pace of the executive orders that seem to be a new big one every day will slow down now. Great to have you both here. Thank you very much, Gary. Nice Great talk to, to you, see Dan. You. Thank Take you, care. Eric. Great to have you both. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.